Bryn Anderson, welcome back to the podcast. We loved having you on before uh, to talk about all the ins and outs of herbs and geek out. And today we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to focus on immune herbs and what you can do to support your immune system. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. This will be super fun. So that's uh, pretty much what I've been doing, geeking out on herbs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone has so much time to uh, yeah. you know, study the things that they're passionate about and uh, pick up old interests and uh, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So it's it's the perfect time for that. But it also takes, it takes a lot of discipline, you know? I, what I've been realizing, and I've mentioned it before to other guests and in person to people, that right now we're, we're kind of seeing that the thing that was limiting us from doing the things that we really love was never time, right? Isn't that like such a yeah. painful realization that it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, like we have our own blocks. <laughs> and some of those yeah. blocks are good because it's like we shouldn't do those things because we don't really want to. We don't have any- right motivation but other things are like it's it's the nature of being a human and i just want to extend the invitation to everyone to understand that these times are difficult and that's what makes you grow so yeah absolutely and that's you know something that we were realizing in those first few days of being home that suddenly it was like i mean you know i've probably seen a lot of jokes like it's march 412th or whatever you know and it's um it's accurate by the way right (laughs) (laughs) it was never coming um but that yeah time did seem to slow down and I just started thinking about that like you know there's always this time keeps going faster time keeps going faster and we've all been going faster and technology gets faster and everything's you know we're we're moving at this pace and so when the machine grinds to a halt suddenly it's like dang, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. Like normally it'd be 11 o'clock at night by now. And just that thought of like time is plastic and it is what we make it and it goes as fast as we're going. And so when we all like grind down, then suddenly it's like, it's not time itself. It's like what we're doing. And, you know, and I've even noticed just, I mean, we've been home for three weeks now since school got out and it's sort of sped up again a little bit. Like it doesn't, the days don't seem as long as they did that first week. So it's kind of, I don't know. Right. Cause we kind of get back into the swing of things and we, yeah, and you know, we figure it out. And, and yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, things are trucking along, but yeah, differently. And that self-discipline of, uh, yeah, nobody's making my schedule for me. So if I'm actually going to use this time to do anything, then it's up to me to do it, which is a whole, um, that's, that's a lot of freedom in a confined space. You know, that's like the paradox right there. <laughs> Right. You have to do this, but yet you have unlimited freedom within your little box. But then what are you going to do with that time? And how are you going to discipline yourself? Right. Yeah. The thing, a learning curve. The thing that I, um, that I realized that I think has taken a lot of the like self, uh, self pressure off and also Mm -hmm. helped me a little bit more to do my work is realizing that pretty much everything we're doing is like unnatural. Like if you think about humans in, um, you know, the state of nature, like we're not sitting down, like writing things like these are all things that we have like developed as, you know, civilized humans, we learn how to, how to write, how to speak. So it's going to be naturally difficult to us. Our systems are almost like not wired. So that's where we have to almost put like 
artificial measures on ourselves to like guide our nervous system along like schedules and things like that. And it's, mm-hmm. they're almost magical in how they work. Cause it's like, if you wake up in the morning and you just like, don't have any plan for the day, like it's so weird, but you just like write down a few things on paper and like, Oh, I got it all figured out. And it's like, right. we have to like play with our own minds. Basically. <laughs> exactly. Now we're seeing it more than ever. Cause like no one's like imposing a schedule on us anymore. No, but, like, not at all. You have to be your own magician of your own life right now. And that brings out like everything, the good and the bad and the ugly. And yeah, the beautiful. And the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's actually really good for us. And a lot of people, that's what they don't like. Like, oh, I wish I didn't have to go to work at this time. Or I wish I didn't have this due at this time. Or I wish, you know, all these different things. And then suddenly it's like all that I wish I wish came like, okay, well, here you go. Here's your day. What are you going to do? You know, and then you're like, well, wait, I plan my own day. Uh where, where, do, where do I start? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a really, I think it's a really healthy thing actually for us all to, to take a minute and do figure that out and sleeping. There's been a lot of sleeping. I keep hearing about people sleeping so much and we've been sleeping a lot more. Um, but I think sleep is really, here's a good segue into the immune system, but it's really good for your immune system. And I think we're all as a society, pretty underslept and mm. overworked. And so I think it's just this like, natural catch-up time like I don't Mm. normally you know I mean you know it's just uh almost can't help it like we've been sleeping way more and like what's going on like we should be needing less sleep we're not really doing anything as far as effort except for in the garden which feels like good clean hard work you know where you're exhausted at the end of the day but um so that's just been an interesting thing to note too is how much more I feel like we're sleeping but I think that's I've noticed that as well actually and I had the exact same thought it's like I've been sleeping more and sleeping like really deep. And I'm like, wait, but you know, I'm not, you know, running around as hectic as I usually uh, mm-hmm. was. So it's, it's almost like our body like keeps score of like all the sleep deprivation we've done over years. And it's like, I'm going to get you back. <laughs> right. I know. Well, I'm going to have to sleep until uh, uh, a couple of years now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to catch up, but no, I think it's true. And I think it's, it is, a reset time. And I think that deep dreaming is really, I mean, just processing and healing on a subconscious level, everything that's going on. And so I think that's part of it too. It's like a, it's probably a mental health safety mechanism also to just be like, all right, I'm going to put you out for a while. You're going to go in a dream state. You're going to process all this. You're going to work through fears and anxieties and you know, whatever, all that stuff. Maybe it keeps us from eating all day long. I don't know. <laughs> That's another thing I keep hearing. I'm like, what is eating and eating and eating and sleeping? And I'm like, oh, we're like bears and hibernation or before hibernation. And then we're hibernating, but it's spring. We should be coming out of that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all out of whack basically. In it's essence. all out of whack, but we're, we're figuring it out. So. All right. So during these times, yeah. now to segue into, um, herbal approaches and natural approaches to support the immune system. What are, um, what are some things that you've been doing or that you have done in the past to kind of boost your immunity? Um, well, I would say that I definitely start with before I get into any herbs or anything, it's just those basic pillars of good nutrition and sleep. And like, we were just talking about sleep, which I don't really mind my own medicine in that regard. So I've been, um, but I definitely try to, especially like just in general times if people are sick around me or I work with children. So if the cold comes through the classroom, you know, then I try to try to make sure I get that. Um, just nutrient dense foods, lots of, um, lots of antioxidants, lots of, um, like 
I don't do a ton of fresh juicing, but I noticed that I really crave things like that, like fresh veggies with ginger and turmeric and things like that when, um, when it feels like that illness time, I guess right around November when we all start staying inside more and just those nourishing soups and stews, um, fire cider, which fire cider's something I kind of had to learn to like, but now that I, now I, I so much like how it makes my body feel that I don't even care if I like how it tastes or not, or that like hot garlic juice and going down your throat. You know, it's definitely an acquired <laughs> taste and sensation. Like you have to be yeah. like, um, you have to be you have to be a warrior to do herbal medicine to some degree. Cause some of the things that, especially like chewing raw garlic and stuff like, yeah, you know, it hurts, but yeah. it hurts good. But it hurts good for sure. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's a, the, just that kind of nutrition level, um, keeping sugar out or down, uh, you know, minimalizing at the very least. Um, you know, when I very first learned that um it was just like a little you know kind of pop statistic that I saw in one of my um my herbalism classes and it said you know did you know that sugar can cut your leukocytes which Mm. is you know one of one of your white blood cell um did you know that it can cut the production of those white blood cells for 50 percent for five hours or more Mm -hmm. and just that like little concrete sentence got me just you know really my wheels spinning about that man, like I just wanted that one cookie right now or that one whatever. And then thinking about like that, that later consequence, not even just like the blood sugar drop or the whatever else, but just that invisible kind of effect of it affecting your immune system that way. So that really mm-hmm. helps me kind of just let go of sugar, I guess. I don't know if it would do that for everyone, but it, it definitely helped me. Um, so there's that. And then I like to do the dry skin brushing. Mm. Um, for just helping your lymphatic system. And that's something I've really been learning about a lot in more recent years is just how important it is to keep that lymph system moving and clear. And they're like, you know, they're like these little, you know, you have these rivers in your body and then the lymphs are like these little ponds where everything kind of comes and then does all this scrubbing and cleaning, sends it on its way. And when that gets stagnant, that's when you start to get, you know, that infection brewing or things sticking, you know, one thing's sticking there. So that's been... Um, just a a cool thing to learn about and for me to put into practice doing this, you know, I really like to do like just all the places where your major limps are Um, before showering, doing like the cold shower at the end of the hot shower, which not a fan of cold water. So that was also a really big learning curve for me, but now I really love it. So, you know, it's just, I think it's also just how things make you feel. Like if you hate fire cider and it makes you puke, then don't do it. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're like a, makes you super grumpy to have a cold shower at the end of your hot shower like you know maybe just go a little Mm. tepid not cold you know I mean there's I just I think you also have to listen to to reason within yourself and not do it just because it's said it's good for you but also Mm. pay attention how how it makes you feel on a whole a whole level um you know for me what I've been very interested in is the influence of the mind on the immune system yes yeah so I was I was Good reading stuff. about this um, this study uh, that just completely blew my mind. Uh, so mm-hmm. basically, what they did was they had a bunch of uh, a bunch of rats, and what they did is they gave them um, some kind of pharmaceutical that causes like it causes uh, nausea and like immune suppression, mm-hmm. and, and they put it along with like saccharin, like a sweet sugar substitute, and they had okay. you know the rats you know, take this in. Um, 
you know, they would take it in, they would get sick, their immune system would get destroyed as was expected, right? Okay. What they found though, that was really interesting. So in the next phase of the experiment, they didn't put the pharmaceutical in that causes nausea and immune suppression to the same rats that already had gotten this for a while and just gave them the saccharin. Okay. And what they found was that these rats just given saccharin were dying. And they're like, okay, that's weird. So they looked into it more. And what they, um, what they actually found is the rats that were just getting the saccharin, which doesn't really have any negative effects in and of itself that are known, uh, had like lower immune cells, had, you know, deficient immune states, and were actually dying from that. Um, that's very strange. And yeah. what they kind of concluded from that is th- that the immune system can actually be conditioned. You know, like Pavlov's dog with uh, the ringing of the bell and like the oh, food definitely. and it makes a salivate. Well, apparently mm-hmm. our immune system works like that. There's some kind of psychological connection. So these rats, just at the taste of the saccharin, their immune was getting uh, suppressed. Their immune system mm-hmm. was had already had this reaction from what they were taught. And now it was, right. now it was getting uh, suppressed. So it wasn't even the substance itself. It was like it was like the mind and the immune system were working as one and kind of adapting to the environment. And that's what really fascinates me about the immune system is like how our mentality plays into our immune system and um, how the mental state plays into it. Like what, even what we believe maybe about things about like, Oh, we'll feel like crap or oh, we'll get sick if we do this and that. Yeah, no, I think so. You know, what's, Something you said made me think too that when the, they got the taste, which made me think of just that how important that sensory input is. Like they got the taste and they had already logged, you know, that this taste equals this, you know, uh, physiological response. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's just something interesting to think about with our mental state as far as like what you're listening to, what you're looking at, how much news you're reading, how much, you know, the quality of your interactions, negativity, all that stuff going in and that, that you can, I think you're conditioned your immune system to that as well. Um, and I think you can do that with, I think that's one of the importance of keeping yourself warm when it's cold out is there can be that kind of conditioning as well. Like it's cold and it's dark and it's depressing. And it, you know, I mean, some people get into that, not everyone, but into that mindset, but keeping your sort of your inner fire warm, I think can help your immune system stay on track and kind of like, Oh yeah, it's warm in here. We're good. We're toasty. The sun's out, you know? Um, so. Right. And just those negative uh, beliefs about like, Oh, if I go outside, I'll definitely catch a cold or, Oh, that person just sneezed on me. I definitely got the Corona. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's like, if it's true that the immune system is linked with the mind, this is a scary thought and it might not even be helpful to mention it, but that might actually be part of the reason why we get sick is that we really, we get in a fearful state and then we're afraid. And then, you know, our immune system is weakened and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in some sense. Yeah. Well, and I've read a lot of studies um, and these were done with humans about um, that you could, what I'm trying to think of what they did specifically. So it was like, they put all these people in a room with, you know, a sick person, and then they measured how many people got sick and how many people didn't. And they even did 
Um, I, I'm remembering another study now where they actually swabbed in the inside of people's noses with like, you know, the flu or some, some sort of super contagious thing. And then it was like, well, all these people didn't get sick. Like you should have gotten sick. We actually inserted this illness up into your nasal cavity. Um, and so looking at what, you know, who got sick and who didn't and why and why not. And it mostly came to that, um, that it was very specific and personal to that person and what was going on with their physiology, what was going on with their mental state, what was going on with their emotional state. And somebody who was in all ways um, sort of repellent to that disease, you know, you had a good acid alkaline balance, you um, had positive thinking, you, you know, took care of yourself, you felt like your body was an important instrument in your life, you know, all those different things. Um, weighed into whether or not the person got sick. So I find that super fascinating because you could do it on a basic physical level of, mm. or, you know, just like taking care of your microbiome and taking care of your immune system and all those things. And then you could go on and down the road to your mental state, your spiritual state, all those things that I think are all, you know, we're definitely holistic beings and every little facet counts for sure. And you're only, um, strong as your weakest link, you know? <laughs> right. I think it's, yeah. it's so important to know that we actually, even scientifically speaking, we don't really understand how the immune system really works. Mm-hmm. Like things are very simplified uh, these days where it's like, there's a germ and if it touches you, that's it. But that's not how it works at all. No, as not at know, all. Some people, they, you know, all the germs touch them and they never get sick. Some people can be completely asymptomatic, uh, not even producing immune response. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't really understand how the immune system works because it's the more we study it, the more complicated it gets essentially, because it's like this adaptive process. Um, it is, it's intelligent. Yes. And it's evolving too. I think mm-hmm. that it's actually adapting to the environment. So it's not, you know, it's not just like, this is what the immune system does. It's learning how to keep humans and, you know, other animals that have immune systems alive in the face of all sorts of threats that are always changing. I mean, if it wasn't like that, we wouldn't make it, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's constant like perturbations in the environment that are causing you to shift and move and change and, and not even, yeah, I mean, on on all levels and not even on a conscious level, most of it. Um, And I think our immune system is definitely evolving and intelligent and it's, I think it's interconnected. It's like you, when you cut off an arm and you study the arm, I mean, there, you can learn about what's in the arm, but there's only, it can only go so far, you know, you can't make an arm in a Petri dish do what you can do with a live arm connected to a body and a brain and a heart and all those things. And so I think our immune system is connected integral in, in integrally is that a word <laughs> uh, How do you say integrally. i don't know i know what word you're trying to say i can see it in my mind i can't say yeah. it um but uh with integral. all the parts yes with all the parts of our being and everything that's in our environment you know with the plants we're around with the people we're around with the you know everything it's and that's why i think it's so individual and i think that's why it's so hard to study and why you can't just pick it apart. You can't pick out the immune system, stick it in a Petri dish and mm-hmm. analyze it and then put it in a computer and make an algorithm. It doesn't work like that. It's its own intelligent, almost organism into itself, you know? Yeah. And that brings up a really uh, key point about immune function is that, you know, it, your immune system isn't like some separate thing. Yeah. Everything, every organ in your body, your mind state, you know, your activity, everything plays in to what we call the immune system, which is just an aspect of your whole being that, um, 
I think it's so important to know that, you know, if your mind and body are in a healthy state, so is your immune system. Like they're not some separate thing where it's like, I can just eat garbage all day and be like, you know, just not treating myself well and not taking care of myself and then, you know, take a few herbs and then my immune's fine. Like I'm no, I'm exactly. I think it's like, you could, I mean, yeah, if you eat, eat garbage all day, you don't, you don't, <laughs> I mean, even not even just the physical, but even the, like, you don't believe in yourself or you mm. think you're ugly or you, you know, don't have confidence or you, whatever it, you know, down the list of all those things. I think that affects little facets of your immune system and how much you value, you know, this body vehicle that you're in. and. So that's, it's all mm. super important. And just like, you know, it's just like there's neural tissue in the heart and there's, you know, immune tissue in the gut and there's, you know, I mean, think about your adrenals and if you're stressed out and, and you have a huge cortisol release all the time and your, you know, kidneys and your whole adrenal system is maxed out, that's going to definitely affect your immune system. And so I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to think of it, but it's very much a interwoven thing into our whole being for sure. Yeah. It, that part is also particularly fascinating to me. Um, the influence of the HPA access and the, the stress response on how that um, actually suppresses the immune system and not by accident, it's actually an evolved mechanism where sure. um, when your body feels under threat, it will suppress the immune system temporarily just because it's such a big um, source of energy expenditure. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, for example, you know, you, you're walking around and you see a tiger and it's about to attack you. It's like, now's not the time for your immune system to be active. It has to basically just suddenly suppress it. Um, and also for other reasons too, because if you, you know, you get a wound or an infection or you get sick, a lot of what we characterize as like feeling bad when we're sick is actually something that's produced by our immune system from uh, oh, yeah. cytokine release. Yep, absolutely. Like sickness behaviors. Like it's actually something that our immune system is doing to us to protect our species in some sense and ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I know if you think of the inflammation, of fevers, of all of those things, that's all a productive immune response. And that in itself is evolving your immune system. Um, so, you know, I mean, that part of being sick and, you know, children getting sick so much when they're little is that fine tuning of the immune system and learning and growing and like, oh, this, this from the environment does this, and this is this, and this is what a fever is and, and all that. So yeah, super important. All right. Being that we're both lovers <laughs> of herbs and nature, let's get into all the good herbies. Uh, and I want to start off by asking you what's you were showing me before what's in your fire cider and why, and what is fire oh, cider? Yeah. Maybe for some people who don't know what that is, sure. Here, who haven't felt the, 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 the burn of it. <laughs> Here's the burn. Here it is. <laughs> this is about a, a week away from straining. Um, so fire cider is an old, old, old recipe that um, is used for immune health to warm up the body. And it's usually, it's, it's in an apple cider vinegar base and the general, I mean, all the general recipes that I've seen are a base of onion, garlic, ginger, um, sometimes turmeric, um, often different kinds of hot pepper. Some people load it with hot peppers. Some people leave those out. Some people put um, more veggies and nutritive kinds of things in there. Um, 
I made mine really herb heavy this time. I put uh, burdock in there, which is a whole other thing. I think a lot of immune system, which we didn't touch on yet, but um, goes into the liver and liver health and processing mm. your toxins. And if your liver's backed up, then your lymph is going to back up and then, you know, nothing can get out. And, and, uh, and so that's a whole, whole thing in, unto itself. So I like to put um, burdock in there for liver support and ginger is, is great for that as well. And then um, I put in nettle. I'm just going to read this off because I have so many things in here. This was, I do it differently every time. I don't follow a recipe. I've got the general basic, you know, apple cider vinegar and your onions and garlic and those things. And then every time it's like, well, if it's November and I have this and that dried that I still need to use from summer, I might throw that in there. If it's spring and the fresh nettles are up, then I'm going to put that stuff in there. So it kind of um, depends. So I put in oregano, sage, lemon thyme, rosemary, calendula, yarrow, mugwort, devil's club, and horseradish in addition to the ginger, garlic, onion, and turmeric. And I put half of a yellow beet because I still had it in the fridge. And I was like, mm. let's do that. <laughs> let's do a little beet for some, so for, for fun. Um, so most of those herbs to me felt like warming aromatics that are going to help um, warm your body up and also just increase circulation. And then I actually put the yarrow, the mugwort, and the devil's club, which, and all of these came from my garden, except for the burdock and the devil's club. Um, but I, uh, I put the yarrow and the mugwort and devil's club more just this time. That's not something I've ever put in fire cider before, but I just felt like having a little psychic protection at this time. It just mm. felt like, I don't know, I was out in my garden, like, okay, who's coming with me? Who's coming into the fire cider today? And those things just really called to me of like, yeah, let's, let's throw a little bit of that in there too. It seems like, um, just to keep a sort of boundary around all of the fear and anxiety that's coming in from there's definitely know, all the news and all that. There's an intuitive so, aspect to using herbs. Like sometimes absolutely. a certain herb just feels right to us or it, it tastes mm -hmm. really good. And, um, sometimes I feel like when I'm craving an herb, that's like, my body is telling me, oh, this herb, like it knows what helped. And it's like, yeah, this. it's almost like the way you crave water. It's like when you're dehydrated, but I think we can train our bodies, uh, through experimenting with herbs to, uh, have our body tell us which herbs we want. And the mugwort is a perfect example of that, where, um, I'm sure if you look through the literature, you'll find that it's like a antibacterial and antivirus. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a warming aromatic. It's got, right. you know, it's cousin wormwood it dispels worms and all, you know, I mean, it's got all, I'm sure it has all right. of those properties. Right. For sure. But to me, you know, it's like all herbs have their own, each herb is just like our body. You know, it's a, it, I think that it has all of its evolving principles. It has, you know, I believe that it has every yarrow has the wisdom of all the yarrow that's ever been and all the mugwort, you know, my mugwort in my yard has all the wisdom of every mugwort that's ever been. So mm -hmm. um, I think that that the wisdom of that plant, like whatever it's calling to me for, whether it's because it's a warming aromatic or whether it's a, you know, psychic protector or whether it's a, you know, whatever, um, a heart uh, tonic, um, I think whatever the reason is, we know, you know, if you believe that, um, that, that plants have an intelligence that way and that they can communicate with you that you, you know, just doing a little bit of listening, just, just even a little bit of listening mm -hmm. is, uh, uh, can go a long way. So, 
Yeah. yeah. So for, uh, for our listeners who might be bored at home, who've been doing a lot of cooking <laughs> and stuff, I wanted to uh, share just like a really simple fire cider recipe. Um, oh, yeah. So the one that I made was pretty, uh, pretty vanilla in a sense. Uh, so mm. chopped onions, um, horse, chopped horseradish, chopped garlic, a little bit of uh, cayenne, um, and ginger chopped up. And basically mm-hmm. what you do is you get some apple cider vinegar. You throw all those herbs as much as you want. Folk method is just, you kind of just throw it in there and you don't measure it or anything. Um, so I ended up measuring it for fun. Um, just so I know if I, if I <laughs> sometimes I like to measure it. Cause I want to know if I stumble on like the perfect mixture, like I want to know, I want to remember what that mixture you is to go back to that and be like, right. that was the one. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So you basically yeah. blend it up. You got it all on your little, uh, apple cider vinegar. And then in that jar, you just like put it off somewhere. And you let it sit for like three or four weeks. The end of three or four weeks, you take that jar filled with the delicious heating herb goodies and you filter it through like a cheesecloth um, or even like you can use like a clean cotton t-shirt and you, that like vinegar, yep. um, you can add it to like olive oils to make dressings. That's one thing that I really like doing. Or you can just Dude, down it yeah. like a shot and you'll feel like the heat and the the instant um you know, the mucus clearing, uh, properties and like, you just, you feel like warm. Like I was making it with my friend here. Um, and I was of course just like testing bunches of it. I was just eating like globs of it, (laughs) you know, like at the end of the day is like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. And I started like, I was like sweating. (laughs) I was like, like, I'm like, yeah. So that's a really good thing to kind of drive off all these things. And in my, um, in my experience, uh, speaking of like little things that we can do to boost our immune, I don't know if you've had this mm-hmm. experience, but um, garlic specifically seems to be really helpful. Like what I'll do is the second that I feel myself starting to get a little bit sick, like, you know, you get the little sniffle, the little scratch in mm-hmm. your throat, feel a little feverish, and you just know like this is going to proceed into, you know, full-blown illness if I don't do something. I like to take mm-hmm. garlic. And either just chew, just chew it, especially for like a sore throat or something. Yeah. Or mash it up with some honey. Um, and I feel better within like a minute. It's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And it definitely helps. It helps, you know, boost your just overall immune health for, for sure. Because a lot of times I'll like lay down and I'll just fast. Mm-hmm. Um take that garlic. And then, you know, the next day I won't even get sick. It's like you, it's so immune immune health is a lot about just catching things before they proceed. Like not waiting till you're like, you know, bed sick to start taking herbs, but like just take them when you're not sick or when you feel something coming on. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, one thing about the fire cider real quick is that's another Mm -hmm. thing besides the dressing is, um, after straining, it is adding some honey and making it yeah. into like a syrup. And that makes it a little bit, I don't know. I like how it kind of thickens it down the throats, makes it the garlic stick a little longer. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but also just to say, yeah, I think that's part of, um, your being aware of your whole body is that noticing when you have a tickle in your throat and noticing when you feel even just like fatigued, like, wow, I got enough sleep, but I, waking up this morning and I feel foggy and weird and, and, uh, you know, my left ear hurts or, you know, just whatever random little symptoms is when you get 
sort of attuned to paying attention to what your normal is, then it's really easy to pick on what pick up on what your not normal is. And not that our normal doesn't, you know, change and ebb and flow and all that, but but in a general sense, because I think we can get accustomed into just like making it okay it's Wednesday I can just make it to Friday or you know I just got to get this paper done or I got to just get through this week or whatever all the things that we pressure mostly ourselves to do and sometimes other people impose upon us but um, I think that we kind of ignore that and then it's like oh I'm too tired oh my throat hurts oh this is happening and then it's not until you're like okay I'm going to bed right now and I've got 103 fever and I'm like down for two weeks or or whatnot you know because you didn't listen in the beginning and just like lay down and have a piece of garlic or whatever I mean you know this so I think it's really important and of course it's not always um you know sometimes you just have to do stuff sometimes you have to get up and take your kids to school or whatever it is you have to do but still um I think there's little things that you can do no matter what if you just learn to pay attention Right. And it's like, we don't have full control over everything that happens in our lives. So sometimes, um, you know, it's not our fault when we get sick, like probably sure. most of the time. Um, but there are so many things we can do. I don't know if you're, um, if you've had this experience, uh, mm-hmm. but what I've noticed, like so many stories of people, you know, being busy all the time, working, et cetera, et cetera. And when they go on vacation, the first day they go on vacation, <laughs> they get sick. Yep. What do you think that is? Like, I always, that seems very mysterious to me. In you some know, sense. I can definitely speak to that a little bit um, for sure, because we've had that happen several times where it's like, it's, you know, we have two weeks off for winter break, one week off for spring break um, for school. And it's like, oh, sure. As soon as spring break hits, then somebody gets a cold or winter break hits. And, you know, we all get the flu or something like that. And I think that's part of, um, that just like you're going and going and going and your body knows because it's intelligent. And you've also set up this rhythm of like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm doing this and getting up. And then suddenly when that stops and you're like, Oh, wow, you've slept in for two days or you didn't get up and go to school. And then your body's like, Oh, I can rest. And then you rest. And then, you know, some, I used to think it was like, maybe you're letting your guard down, but I don't even know if it's that. I think it may, sometimes it's a, reaction to maybe overexhaustion and adrenal fatigue and all those things finally just catching up with you where you finally stop and your body's like, all right, lay the F down. <laughs> You're going to be sick now. And I'm going to like do all this reparative and restorative work. Cause I don't, you know, I mean, I think we think of sicknesses as being bad, you know I mean? We've thought about that for ages since the bubonic plague. And before that, that like sickness is evil. Sickness is bad. Sickness is something you don't want to be. But I think there's also an intelligence to that. I mean, we've obviously co-evolved with all of these viruses and bacteria and germs and all these things for some, for some reason. And so part of sometimes I think when that happens, when you get sick for a break is just that kind of intelligence being like, you know, I need to make some repairs on all body systems. So you're going to lay down and you're going to have a fever and we're going to clear out all the last four months of garbage that you were too busy to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I think it's, it's that. For sure. Yeah, there's that idea mm-hmm. of the healing crisis, right? Mm-hmm. That like we uh, in modern times, as you were mentioning, we tend to think of illness as like something bad, something to be avoided. Um, but to some extent, and it's been said, and I also do believe that if you don't get sick every once in a while, it's a sign actually that you're not healthy, which is seemingly a little bit uh, unintuitive. But the reasoning is, is that what we think 
of sickness and illness in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to infections and things like that, Mm -hmm. is actually that's the moment when our body finally mounts the response. So let's say like in the case of somebody who doesn't get sick until they go on vacation, maybe Mm -hmm. they've had like a a low level cold for like a while that's been influencing them, but they've been so busy that their body is just like, all right, let it go. It's almost like disorder came into a kingdom and there was riots, but they were like, we don't have time to focus on that right now. Just just suppress that. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the moment where like the person knows, okay, I have a safe space. I have some, some time. The body's mm-hmm. like, okay, now's the time to get rid of all those ne'er-do-wells that have been, you know, messing up our, our space. And right. what that looks like is like a fever. And what that mm-hmm. looks like is like a runny nose. Um, and those are all ways that our body is actually ramping up the immune system and helping us overcome all of these um, things. So I think that's probably part of that getting sick um, during vacations is like you finally can safely. And I I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times after um, being sick, like I feel a lot better when I do get better. Like I feel better than before I got sick. Like almost Mm -hmm. like everything kind of had a chance to reset. My sleep is suddenly better. Um, it almost like forces you to lay down. Your body's like, all right, you have some time, no excuses, lay down, yep. burn it out. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, more than ever, we are so busy that we don't allow ourselves that time for self-care. We don't allow ourselves to just say, you know, I'm going to lay down because I'm tired. I'm going to lay down because I feel like I need to lay down. Like that's not really, and that's not really a viable reason in our society to lay down. So then you wait and you wait and you wait until your body says, you know, like I said, I'm going to make you lay down. Now you have a fever. Now you're contagious. Now you have to lay down and you can't go anywhere. And so it's like, you're, but, and you know, I think just going back to that subconscious too, it's like, you need okay, you need a reason to lay down. I'm going to give you a reason. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. your body has all your different facets. And so your immune system maybe is doing that even for your mental health. You know, like you won't stop. You won't lay down. Like here, you need a reason. There you go. Now you can lay down, you know? And then while you're laying there in bed, you might start thinking about things. You might start processing something or you might like get over some whatever thing that's been stuck in your mind or um, problem you couldn't figure out or, you know, whatever you might um, have time to sit and call, talk to in a long time, or, you know, I mean, there's just various things that can happen with that healing that weren't necessarily the reason it wasn't about the sore throat, but then it turned into, you know, healing in other ways. So Mm. I think that can be a definite truth. And I think you're right about that feeling better after, because you do, I think you let go of a lot of toxins when you're sick, when you're sweating, if you're sweating, coughing, puking, whatever it is. I mean, those are all ways that your body is sloughing off, um, metabolic waste and, you know, all those different things. And there's, you know, I mean, they talk about that a lot in Chinese medicine about, um, diseases that help you grow and diseases that are debilitating. And, you know, this is something I worked a lot with, with my children when they were younger was looking at like growing fevers about that concept. And I swear by the growing fever. I mean, there was plenty of times when, you know, suddenly someone would just kind of out of nowhere, they're fine. And then they come down with a fever. They usually have no other symptoms, sometimes maybe a sore throat or a little runny nose, but, um, nothing really. It's like, why do you have a fever? Okay. What's going on? What's coming next? And then boom, they lay down for 48 hours, wake up. I feel better, mom. And then you're like, 
and you're two inches taller or your face has changed in some little way or you're Whoa. suddenly doing some sort of skill when they were really little I would see uh, you know one of my kids would have one of these fevers and suddenly they'd come out of it and they'd have like 50 new vocabulary words or you know like suddenly their potty train potty training you know jumped a, a, a significant step or they were feeding themselves or you know just whatever those developmental phases that I started to be able to mark these sort of jumps in developmental growth with an illness and it wasn't always a fever I mean sometimes it was a cold or illness but it was really it was easier to see in them than in myself and I, I think that it happens for all of us but just you know being able to see with kids and their they're growing at such a rapid rate that you can kind of, you know, mark it physically. You can see it with your eyes. Um, so that that's really stuck with me. And there's a lot of illnesses that are like that. Um, a lot of which, you know, are frowned upon now, but even like chicken pox and things like that, that that's a growing illness and that that's something that your immune system needs to have in order to mature from. And it pushes you into a new stage of development you know, psychically, emotionally, and in all those ways. So, um, yeah, that's something to think about. That sounds to me so much like the healing crisis idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, to go a little bit deeper into that, so the sure. people who um, have been engaging in like more holistic healing and holistic therapies notice something mm-hmm. very strange about their patients over time. So, mm-hmm. for those that had. Um, like a chronic disease that's been around for a really long time, what they noticed is that when they began treating them, if they actually found the effective way to overcome it, whether it was by herbs or a lifestyle change or something like that, they would actually have to get suddenly very sick for some period of time before they can break from it. But then Mm -hmm. after that period of sickness, um, they would just, their symptoms were gone. Like they were cured in a sense. Um, And I think that's that idea of like, a lot of um, our illness is just like chronic because our body never gets that shot to just get over it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to get worse before you get better. Um, And in terms of how that's related to these times is I think that's the the cornerstone of how the immune system functions in general. And if you can get um, yourself into the best health that you can and get over many of these uh, chronic things that are happening, then to some extent, you don't need to worry as much about external things because your your body's there and it's ready to mount a response. Um, and that's what we're seeing with um, with uh, this situation is that people that have a lot of other conditions, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are getting hit really hard. And I think it's for that reason, their immune system is so encumbered by so many things over such a period of time that it gets an extra threat and then that's it. You know, it's too yeah, much. Definitely. I think that that's... Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do dietarily when you start getting sick? Uh, dietarily, I do a lot of hot lemon ginger water. That's mm. like my go-to absolute favorite thing and a hot water bottle <laughs> and go to bed. Uh, that's Those are probably my uh, main things. Um, I like to do like to do like hot showers with steaming herbs, you know, like eucalyptus and peppermint, lavender, things like that, just to open up the passageways. Um, One thing I found to be really effective, especially for like respiratory things is, um, is a chest rub, but put it on the bottom of your feet and put your socks on, Mm. which there's, there's all kinds of home remedies about like putting onions on the bottom of your feet and doing the same Mm. thing or putting on like a wet sock and then putting on a dry sock to, you know, 
pull the congestion out of your lungs. Um, but I found just even the simple chest rub on the bottom of the feet and like on the top of the back um, is really super helpful and soothing and just kind of, you know, seems to be clearing. So yeah, those are kind of things I do. I usually try to make soup really fast before I get too sick to make it if I don't have some on hand. Um, and then I really, I think that elements are really important. That's a whole other facet of immune system we could probably geek out on for an hour is just our, our need to be connected to the earth and to the elements that we're made of and that we're part of. I mean, getting your vitamin D and having your, all your micronutrients and your, um, different minerals. And, um, I learned a few years ago that if you live north of about Los Angeles, and if you're in the United States, um, north of that latitude, you're not ever really getting enough vitamin D for your immune system. So that was a big thing to learn, um, for me. So once, I mean, that was quite a few years ago. So, we started having our whole family taking 2000 IU of vitamin D every day. And it really, 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 really helps. Like it's, it's a marked difference in our immune health. Um, but also just getting outside and having light, you know, even if the sun's not out, just having the shades on your window up or, you know, just being able to access the natural world in some way, um, going outside in your bare feet for a few minutes. Um, and then just the elements of making sure you have enough iron. I think iodine is really important. I think as a culture, we're really uh, lacking iodine in our systems, especially for um, towns that have uh, fluoridation in the water. Iodine and fluoride are on an axis. And so when you take, when you have too much fluoride or you know a certain amount, when you hit a level, then iodine starts to be leached out of your body. And iodine is crucial for so much of your uh, hormonal health, as far as your pituitary, your thymus, your pineal, all those things, and, and your immune system. I mean, they all really need um, good iodine to function properly. So, and let alone just the amount of, you know, in air radiation that we have these days mm -hmm. that we didn't used to have that I think iodine helps with. So, um, that and zinc, and um, uh, I'm trying to think what else, just yeah, those kinds of. Uh, you know, good vitamins, good quality, good water, all of those things are really the essentials, important. you know, the essentials, the essentials. Sure. And then the herbs yeah. kind of help us help our body along that path to, mm -hmm. to healing, but they can't really do it for you, but they can be like the most amazing allies. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's that what sense. it is. That's like the bait, you know, it's like you have your levels of like, you know, and I think nutrition is at the base, you know, with all, with the other basic things like having shelter and, and, uh, those things. So yeah, having good nutrition and then you can build your herbs on top of that. And then that's yeah. all individual as well on, you know, what kind of herbs work for you. And like we were talking about what, what's growing around you, what's speaks to you, what's comfortable for you, all those things. Right. And the, um, so you said you start drinking a lot of like ginger waters and stuff. It sounds like you're kind of doing like a little bit of a fast as well um, when you're starting to yeah. get or like light, light foods. Um, there's a lot of interesting research about how fasting um, increases immune system activity and all the uh, phagocytes, they're basically these immune cells that eat up debris and uh, pathogens and things. They get suddenly, mm. they have a surge when you don't eat food for a, a certain period of time, even if you're not necessarily sick. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to me, and it, that's been actually one of the primary things that I do 
right when I start feeling a little sniffle in addition to the garlic and things like that. Um, and like hot, hot teas is just stop eating until I actually get an appetite. And I'll notice sometimes I won't get an appetite for a day or two when I'm starting to get sick. Um, definitely. And that just seems to make me rebound so much faster, so much faster Mm -hmm. than when I, um, follow maybe the craving to eat emotionally when I'm feeling like crap, you know, you want to eat emotionally. You're not really hungry, but you're like, Oh, cause there's this idea that like really heavy, dense foods, um, they're very consciousness lowering. Right. So mm-hmm. like, you don't want to be conscious of like the feeling of unpleasantness of being sick. So you kind of like numb yourself out with like exactly the things that you shouldn't eat usually when you start getting sick. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think that that's true. I think, um, just those nutritive broths, thin, um, thin things that are like not carbohydrates and don't put a bunch of noodles in your soup or, you know, mashed potatoes maybe, or whatever, no you know, french fries? Um, no, no French fries, oh, no. you know, probably I think cutting out gluten when you start to get sick, if you're not doing that already is a really great thing to do. I think that the less, because it's kind of like we were talking about with the fight or flight response, right? Like suddenly you're like, you have to run from a bear you're not hungry, your immune system isn't working, like all your blood goes to your essential organs so you can run as fast as you can or pick up the car off the toddler or those kinds of things. I think that when your immune system does, it has its own sort of adrenal type response to like, okay, I'm gonna go to the essential. I'm gonna unleash my white blood cells. I'm gonna, you know, do this inflammation response here. I'm gonna, you know, start to shed cells here and, you know, all those different things. And so it's like, your digestive system doesn't need to be bogged down at that moment, um, just like the other things that you're going to stop doing. So I think that mm-hmm. is a really good, and I think the key part about what you said is is listen to yourself and listen to the part of you that has the appetite for hunger, not the part of you that's emotionally like, yeah, I'm just going to sit down and eat these fries and I'll feel better emotionally or whatever. Um, so I think that's good is listening to yourself. Like don't eat till you're hungry. And then when you are hungry, think about like, okay, maybe this is what I want, but like, what do I really want? Like, Mm. what would help me feel really good? And like, what taste, even going back to taste, like what tastes really good right now? Like something super spicy. And if you're like, okay, well, spicy, onion rings. Okay. Well, what else is spicy (laughs) that might fulfill that need that would be better for me? How about a spicy chai with, you know, or something like that. So I think you can kind of like guide yourself along and like follow the taste and follow the craving, Mm. but then look for like, what would be a nutritive alternative to that? That's yeah. That's, that's a good point that like, um, our body will indicate what is like something that might be helpful for it, but it might not be able to differentiate like the specifics. So like you might crave something sour and you might reach for the lemonade, right? Which is good in and of itself, but maybe a different route would also satisfy that and be more Mm -hmm. of the body's asking for. Right. Maybe your body's asking for some vitamin C. Okay. So then what could you do about that? You know, you can make yourself some rose hip tea and with a squeak mm. of lemon or, you know, something like that. A nice, really strong one crazy. with some honey in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. what's up. So. And some hibiscus too. <laughs> huh? so. Yeah. That would be a good, sa- and I think that, yeah, sour is a good, important taste, which is, you know, cooling as opposed to those warming herbs. But I think that's also a good balance because you can dry yourself out too much if you're, you know, garlic and ginger and like you're getting really hot and then suddenly your mucousy cough turns super dry and raspy and suddenly your head hurts and you have a dry headache or, you know, different kinds of things. So I think it's, that's good to listen to, to 
what your body's telling you about that too. Like, okay, now I need to make some adjustments. Like I've been craving hot ginger for three days, but suddenly I just really want this cool raspberry lemonade. Like, well, why is that? Okay. Maybe I'm Mm. drying out too much. Yeah. Go ahead. Have that, you know, or make yourself a hibiscus Mm. popsicle or, or something. And then, you know, cause I think your body, like we talked about listening, your body also knows when it's time to balance or when you're going constitutionally out of balance. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting, yeah. uh, an interesting point of like the, the heating versus the cooling herbs. So the way I think about mm-hmm. it is like, it's like the theory of homeopathy versus the the theory of allopathy or a lot of what traditional um, herbalism is about. So like, if mm-hmm. you think about when you're starting to get sick and you're having a fever and everything, like your body and in some cases is in this, like what would be considered more of like a hot condition. So Mm -hmm. the way I think of it is like things like horseradish, garlic, onions, ginger, all very heating. And you would think, well, Mm -hmm. why would you give something heating while they're in a hot condition? Well, it's almost homeopathic in that sense where you give them more of what their body is doing. So like if, if you have a fever, you like, you give something to actually increase the fever mm-hmm. to help the body, or, you know, you have a stuffed nose, you give something that actually makes the mucus run that increases the mucus. Cause the mucus yes. has um, like a healing uh, purpose. Like, Mucus doesn't happen just to annoy you. Like it happens to trap exactly. particles and expel <laughs> it, it out actually of your body. has a reason. <laughs> yeah. So like, that's how I like to think, or like it might make you perspirate. Like you might be perspirating a little bit, but you take an herb that makes you really sweat. And now all of a sudden the, you know, the pores are really open. And now the, the body is do, you're helping the body do what it was trying to do. Like you're kind of giving it like a helpful nudge. Um, and then the cooling mm-hmm. things are more like acting against that. Like, um, like calming down that that hot response in the body when it's becoming too much, when the fever is you know too high, when it's the the runniness is too much that it's starting to cause its own problems and go into the lungs and things like that. Right. Yeah. I think it's all about balance. I think it's all about you. You do that. Um, you know that like treats like kind of thing. You take hot garlic and then you heat up your fever. And then once, you know, it gets to a certain point, then your body, there's a tipping balance there. And then, um, yeah, then I think you need to use the other, it's, it's always about keeping the balance. And I think you like, you push one way and then you get to that point and then you got to push back the other way and, you know, just keep, keep yourself, um, keep yourself balanced in that regard. So, which can be, Tricky, especially when you're sick and you're taking care of yourself also, you know, that can be a, a, I think it's good to flesh it all out when you're healthy and kind of have those practices. It's like, if you don't, aren't ever really thinking what to do, and then you suddenly get sick and you're like, okay, what herbs do I take? What do I do? What do I do? You know, that can be tricky to navigate. So I think it's nice um, to just kind of be thinking along these lines of, of everything we're talking about. Mm. So that when it happens, you can kind of just tease it out in your wacky fevered state or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to do now? I'm too hot and dry. What do I need to do? Oh yeah. You know, or just, you know, think about what, what feels good. That, like I said, like the cooling down with the sours. Um, yeah, it's wild. I think herbs are so intelligent, just like we are and they're, and they're different. They're so different than pharmaceuticals. It's, they're not, you know, it's like, you know, there was a lot of research with, um, with, elderberry right now and talking about the cytokine storm and whether that was real and all these different things going on. We don't have to get into that thought of that. You know, you think of like a certain component, like this thing causes this reaction. Therefore, because this herb has this property means that causes this thing, 
you know, and on down the list. And it's not, you know, I mean, there are certain herbs with alkaloids or, you know, different things that do affect um, the body or um, in, in ways that can be harmful. But for the most part, we're talking about an herb causing a response. It's more of a working with the intelligence of the body of like the elderberry is helping mm. your body to mount that immune response. And then your body's going to work with it just as it needs to like Hawthorne. Hawthorne can uh, work with the blood pressure and can raise it or lower it. It's not something that specifically raises blood or lowers blood pressure. It goes in and communicates with your heart about what it needs. And then it, you know, does its thing. So I think that's also really important to remember when you're working with herbs, it's not, uh, this for that kind of thing that you're right. working with your own body's energetics. You're working with the individual, like you're working with the disease as its own individual organism with its own energetics in addition to yourself. And then, um, also just looking at the plant as being an intelligent being to like how it's going to interact with your body and it's, you know, and it's thing. Right. Cause, uh, herbs, they have a lot of different compounds in them. They're not like pharmaceuticals where it's like, um, one thing it has Absolutely. many. So they have like, what is more of like a general effect that you can understand, mm -hmm. but it's not like, you know, there's so many different compounds that all do different things that it's mysterious, uh, in, in many senses. So let's say you could only use three herbs to support your immune system. You only had three and that's <laughs> it for your life. Which ones would you choose? Oh man. Choose, choose carefully. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> wow. Do I have like a little 30 second song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeopardy. yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, I'll share, I'll share mine. Cause I was thinking a little yeah, bit about which one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so garlic a hundred percent. Okay. I mean, you can't, you can't beat garlic for it's like antibacterial antiviral for its ability to be used for, you know, it's a pretty significant antibiotic in terms of uh, research and how um, it works. So that one, a hundred percent, then probably ginger too. Cause I feel like ginger is just so good at like heating the body and like clearing mucus that it's like, mm -hmm. like, I feel it right away. Like I chew on some ginger and like my nose is like running just like yeah. thins everything. Um, and the last one, let's see what else I would use. I would probably maybe licorice, maybe licorice. Cause that's a really good one for like coughs. And it's really used um, throughout tradition as probably one of the most important cough remedies. Um, and then obviously it has a lot of other like specific immune boosting effects, uh, adrenal supporting mm -hmm. effects, which is obviously that's so important while you're actually ill. Absolutely. Well, and the one important thing about licorice, what we were just talking about with the energetics is that most herbs are either cooling and drying or heating mm -hmm. and drying, but there's much less of a class of moist, moistening herbs. And that's really important. Like we were talking about, if you have a, you know, a, a very junky cough that suddenly then gets really dry when you take, you know, a, a drying herb, and then that can cause its own complications. And so I think uh, licorice is, um, can be a really essential thing for formulas for immune health, just to add that moistening and demulcent um, quality in there so that you're lining your lungs and your throat and your gut and all that while you're, you know, having those other hot drying herbs in there. So mm. that's super important. So 
Um, not to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Thank, you Thank you for adding. Thank you for adding. Um, I also saw some research about chewing licorice can actually be really helpful for, um, uh, this specific species of, uh, streptococcus, streptococcus, mm-hmm. mutan, uh, mutans that, uh, causes like cavities and all sorts of, um, you know, problems with teeth and gums and things like that, that it specifically mm-hmm. kills it. There's some good research behind it. So it's a good thing to just cool. chew and, you know, in a lot of ways, like illness, like enters a lot through here, like through our nose, ears, our mouth. And, you know, we're always like ingesting all sorts of viruses and bacteria, but it's actually mm-hmm. all the different protective layers, like the saliva, the mucus and our stomach acid that kills these things. And in a lot of ways, yeah. like that's just as important to support as just preventing, you know, the contact with something that you might not be able to prevent at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And it's so simple and it's, you know, you're, you, there's no, not even any processing of the plant. You can just stick, a, you know, dried piece of licorice root in your mouth. That's, that's pretty awesome and uh, easy. Okay. Three herbs. Uh, I know I took the good ones already. <laughs> I know you took the good ones already. Do I have to pick different ones? No, <laughs> uh, no you can pick the same ones. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, gi- I, I think ginger would be my, my heating herb for sure. Mm. I think it's so in itself. It, it is. Yeah. And garlic, I wouldn't, I'm going to, I'm not going to choose garlic just for myself. I would choose ginger. Like if I had to choose between the two, I think that garlic can have stronger action, but it is, it is really hot and it's a little intense for me personally to have a lot of. So, so ginger is a good more, you know, thing I can, I can do more often for my own constitution. Um, so I would do that. Uh, lemon balm came to mm. mind and um, lemon balm is cooling. Lemon balm has a sour aspect to it. Lemon balm is, um, a really wonderful nerving, not only for your, uh, mental and emotional state, but also for the respiratory system. And, um, I think for your immune system in general, I think your immune system can be kind of a, you know, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's a pretty excited state, you know, you're like, Oh my God, okay, let's do this. And let's get all these things out of the white blood cells and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And so I think lemon balm is a really good way to go. Mm. <laughs> all right. Let's, but also let's maintain our center. Mm. So, um, but it has really some pretty amazing antiviral and uh, immune compounds in it as well. Mm. So, that's one I would go for and sort of directly kind Hold of balances out the juice. <laughs> I got so excited. I yanked it out of my, ears. I know. Yeah. It was exciting. <laughs> so what I wanted to say uh, was I, um, I did that. Yeah. I read about lemon bomb. Um, it's traditionally held to be one of the best like nerve tonics, like everybody mm-hmm. back in the day in the early 1900s would have, you know, like a tincture of lemon bomb or like a syrup of lemon bomb. Uh, yeah. And they thought of it as one of the most important, just like general nervous tonifying herbs. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to add that. Absolutely. No, <laughs> I think that that's, I absolutely believe that to be true for sure. It's, um, I think it's invaluable for so many reasons, but yeah, nerving and then just immune system. It's, And that was an interesting thing too, because when I first learned about it, it was more as just a pure more looking at it in the nerving sense and also for headaches um, and different things going on. And then when I sort of thought about it in its facet of the immune system, I thought, God, that goes so well together. That's such a natural complementary kind of thing as so many herbs are, but you know, that it, um, 
it really is a superstar in so many ways. And it is everywhere in my yard right now. It is everywhere in the neighborhood. It is so plentiful. You know, it's um, has a mind of its own as far as spreading and all of that. So it's mm-hmm. great. It's easy to share. It's easy to use a ton of it. Um, and it doesn't seem to mind. It's like, here, I'll, I'll make some more. Here's another patch over here, you know. So I think that that's great. Um, as opposed to some of those stronger uh, bear medicines like OSHA that, you know, are mm, really cool. powerful and pack a punch, but they're much, you know, they're more subject to over harvesting, to tramping on delicate soils and habitats and things like that. So those are the kinds of things where if I were to only have three herbs, like, yeah, it'd really be great to have. Some, but if I was looking at something that like what I could have around me and what was plentiful and what I could share and all those likely to choose more of a gentle tonic herb, um, something that I think that could still be plenty strong if it needed to be. Um, and it would be more about having a relationship with it, you know, mm-hmm. in order to create that kind of, of strength. Okay. So number three, uh, ginger, lemon balm, immune system. Hmm. I'm stuck between the licorice for the moistening or, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, actually hmm, burdock came to mind. I'm just thinking of something, some kind of good, like good liver and lymph cleansing kind mm. of thing. Cause I think that is like, like kind of touched on before a, a really, really paramount thing to immune health is, is that um, liver health. Oh, you know, I think I'm going to, mm. <laughs> I don't know, man, three herbs only. I don't know. I'd it's hard, right? Cause you want to kind you know of what I do is I die deciding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, well, um, I- how do you feel about chamomile? Because a chamomile has a, uh, you know, it's thought of as like more of like a nerve tonic, kind of like lemon balm, but yeah. it also is really helpful for fever, for pain. It's been used for, mm-hmm. you know, its original name uh, comes from its uses for fever. Like chamomile yes. is an interesting one. Maybe I would I... change back. I'll give you licorice. Oh, I'm going to okay. take chamomile. <laughs> Fair? <laughs> yeah, I could do We're that. We're bartering oh, now. No. <laughs> yeah, we're bartering for herbs here. Is this a, yeah, we're a board game. <laughs> Actually, yeah. there's a really great kids board game out. Um, have you seen that game? I think I know what you're uh, talking. Is it the one made uh, Wildcraft by Learning yeah. Herbs? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good one. And you kind of do good. that bartering for herbs. You, if you're like, oh, I don't, I fell and I need, you know, whatever this herb, I don't have any, but then you can share. Mm-hmm. Anyways, hold on. Now I'm gonna, my throat is at the dry point. Hold on a second. All right. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Um, calendula was what something that came to mind. That's a good calendula one. Calendula is one of my hands down, definitely top super duper favorites forever. Um, but gentle action on the liver, warming, mm. um, really great for lymph health as well and clearing things out, but warming also great for digestion and stomach, which I think is also really great for immune health. So yeah, I think I would say in my life with my kids, with my own immune system, I would say ginger, calendula, and lemon balm are definitely three that are almost always in my four. And like my my formulas that I make, I'm like, oh yeah, there's ginger again. Oh yeah, there's lemon balm again, you know? Mm-hmm. <coughs> so mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. And of I course, um a... <coughs> drink some more water. 
<laughs> Trevor would not cough into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, there's the classic ones that most people know of, like, you know, elderberry and echinacea. And the only reason I probably didn't pick those over the other ones um, is just because they're so well known that I kind of right. wanted to pick uh, other ones. But obviously, we were talking about elderberry and how not just the elderberry is used for um, like its antiviral immune supportive qualities, but the bark of it, like mm-hmm. of the elder tree, uh, is really useful for helping the body detox, for um, increasing the removal of toxins from the body, uh, you know, at large doses is a purgative. It actually makes people throw up. Um, so it's mm-hmm. like a pretty intense medicine you know, in terms of that. Um, Astragalus is another really good one that I like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Astragalus, elderberry, echinacea. And I think of, you know, like echinacea became such a a poster child of the immune system. Um, and you know, what I really think that it's more about is just that clearing of toxins and that it's, that it's alterative action of, um, it's not necessarily, I mean, I think it does stimulate the immune system. It has antiviral and, and antibacterial properties, but I think it's more about that sort of like getting your body in tip top shape more, you know, it's like getting that, that whole lymph and uh, cleansing system, which probably clears out. I'm thinking, you know, like if you have just a bunch of metabolic waste sitting around and, and whatever, um, that if you start taking that as you get sick and you're able to clear that out, that perhaps your immune system can function more effectively. Um, I don't really know, but I definitely love echinacea. And that's something, you know, I've, I've read a lot about like, oh, echinacea is overused for the immune system. Oh, you know, don't use it. Or there's so many better other things. Um, but I will say it's been a, a good ally for me since I very, you know, very first uh, learning about herbs, you know, 25 years ago. So I, I definitely stand by it as an ally personally for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that it's over harvested in the wild. And I know that it's, I think it can be overused and used for the wrong reasons. As well. Right, right. But I think it's good to get to know it and get to know what it does for your body on a personal level. And, and, you know, do I really need echinacea? Yeah. And sometimes like it's often paired with like echinacea golden seal and, you know, and, and if you look at golden seal, like that's a super, I think that really got a, it's a wrong name for what it's for, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a extreme, it's very tonic herb. And I think sometimes taking a super drying tonic herb when you're really sick and you need to get fluid out is actually the opposite of what you need to be doing. So and there's definitely a time and a place for golden seal for sure. But, um, so I kind of, sometimes I think it, it became scarce out of its own intelligence. <laughs> y'all yeah. don't need to be taking so much of me like yeah. i'm just gonna go hide back over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah and echinacea uh it's cool too um it was originally used a lot for like snake bites as a snake mm-hmm. uh remedy among the natives right um and the early eclectic physicians who are basically like the you know holistic mds of the early 1900s mm-hmm. they like actually the used yeah. yeah they use really high dose echinacea for like serious infections Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where it got its rap for being like an overall immune tonic because it was actually really uh, effective for like severe bacterial for like septic conditions and things like that. Yeah, yeah. and they would mm-hmm. use like super high doses of it too. Um, yeah. And they had some pretty um, marvelous results right. with it. And for um, that purpose in that short time, right? Not for yeah. like you take echinacea every day from September to May. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and but- elder... 
elderberry syrup. I mean, that's just delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't really go wrong with some elderberry syrup. No, right, yeah. right. And I kind of make that like fire cider. I put a lot of other things in there besides elderberry. Right, right. <laughs> Lots of cinnamon and cloves and and nettle. I love to put nettle in there and um, hawthorn berries and just all kinds of good, you know, high high vitamin rich things. I think it's just a good. It's good to have your vitamin tonics, whatever they are. So um, I think elderflower. And yarrow flower are really wonderful for fever. Um, and I think in a tea specifically, they do their best work in, in teas for that, like what you're talking about, those other heating herbs, just getting your fever response to be, um, you know, at its highest function and then yeah. let your body do the work from there. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering for, uh, for your blends that you make for vital force herbs, do you have like an immune supportive one and what's in it and why? Yeah, I do. Um, I have, I actually grabbed them. I didn't know if you would ask me that, but I was yeah. like, I don't have these memorized. I'm going to grab them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my immune, uh, my immune one that I have, I have two, one of them I made for more sort of that, like when you're first getting sick and then the other I made for more of the stagnant conditions that aren't going away or Mm. something that you might choose to use um, if you might be considering antibiotics or something. So this one is my Inanna's immune and it's echinacea, elderflower, lemon balm, ginger, rose hips, and nettle. So that's my combination there. So yeah. Um, And for all the reasons we just talked about the vitamin C, the, you know, uh, ginger for heating up the elderflower for if there's fever and just, I think it's a great immune, mm-hmm. um, helper as well. And then my other one, which is the, this is my Artemis and that's more of the, more of the warrior tincture, mm-hmm. which is yarrow, Oregon, grape root, usnea, ginger, uh, yerba santa and rosemary. So cool. yeah. And, uh, rosemary. That's rosemary and yarrow. Those are other two. So you can, I can't do three herbs. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my blend for that. And I feel um, like usnea, the usnea, the Oregon grape root and the yerba santa are like the, the super um, just those when you really need that extra support to get stuff out. Right. Um, and we don't just we're both herbal crafters that like when you're coming up with a formula that is like helpful for, um, you know, you don't have them, you know, face to face with the specifics, but you Mm -hmm. try to build something that has like an overall effect that would be useful for pretty much anybody, whether they have this, that, or this or that. Um, And actually the blend I made, which I'm going to hold up over here. I don't know if you can see it. Here we go. We can cheers. Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like out of focus. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so what I got in mind is elderberry, echinacea, Mm -hmm. astragalus, and licorice root. Um, Nice. So the reasons for that is like echinacea kind of covers like the more severe things and more like um, the bacterial end of it. Elderberry is just one of the best immune tonics. Mm -hmm. Um, Astragalus has a lot of really good use. I'm very, um, very happy with that plant. Um, Definitely. um, And then, of course, licorice root for the cough. It's more of like a general like immune tonic for Mm -hmm. more um, preventative. Um, Whereas I like the hot stuff usually for when uh, like I'm actually, you know, in the throes of, of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, getting sick. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that's the one tricky thing about making a formula is is balancing out the herbs, looking at, you know, the different facets of of their qualities and their energetics, and then you're giving it to a person that you don't know, and you're not sitting down with them for a two-hour intake of, you know, what's going on with their life story, and when did these symptoms start, and all these different things. It's more, you know, you're you're just trying to reach that, that, uh, those physical symptoms for them. But then also I'm hoping that there's, it piques the interest of like, well, wow, there was yarrow in that formula. And I, or I wonder which one of those herbs really helped me, or, you know, maybe you get a sense of like, wow, I really like the Oregon grape in there, but like, I don't, how do you know, how did you pick out that there was the Oregon grape that helped you, you know? Mm. So it's kind of a, just a interesting thing with formulas and like the coughs, like I have this Callisto's cough. Mm -hmm. That's my little cough thing. Mm -hmm. So I have this list of stimulating expectorants and you've got, Mm -hmm. you know, there's endless and there's the stimulating expectorants and then there's the, um, the calming expectorants. So, you know, for if like you're having a spasmodic cough or if you're having this like non-productive, you know, cough or that you really need to get the mucus up and out before it gets infected. And I mean, there's pages and pages of those. So it's looking at like, do I want 25 different expectorant herbs in this formula? Or do I want, you know, like, why are they listed as expectorant herbs? I mean, you go to all your different herb books or, you know, all the classes and, and you could get lost for days in. And so just even pick hand picking, like, why do I feel like I want Mullen and Ella campaign together? Why do I want, like, why am I going to add in ginger? And, you know, just really thinking through, you know, down your list of immune herbs or expectorant herbs or respiratory herbs or whatever they are, like fine tuning, why do they go together? I guess. And I think that's, that's one of the key things for making a really good formula is just, Mm -hmm. um, putting like the really key stuff in there so that it kind of covers all the bases. That's kind of what I thought of mm-hmm. when I was formulating is like, how can I cover all of the bases for a person that I can't see face to face so that pretty much anybody, it would be helpful for like their immune function right. um, no. without knowing like the specifics of it, mm-hmm. which would require and, and also herbalist. Definitely. Yeah. And sort of, I feel like you end up going with more gentle things as well that you right. could use like the more toniker. Right? right, more than the the hard hitters, because you need to be able to say, "Well, wait, you should probably only do this for a couple of weeks," or, mm-hmm. you know, "Oh, you're taking that medication; you probably shouldn't take that." You know, so you do kind of have to also look at those at those things for sure. Um, astragalus, though, I wanted to ask you about that. So, I have been hearing so much about um, astragalus is very familiar to me, but just recently with this current virus going on about take your astragalus, take your astragalus. But I'm noticing that there isn't really any conversation about when to take astragalus. And I learned that astragalus is something that you should only take when you're healthy because one of its superpowers is that it encases cells. Mm. And so that's how it strengthens your immune system is by taking those immune cells and basically like creating an extra armor around them. And so that makes you really, you know, your immune system um, more stealthy. So that when you take a stragolus, when you have an active infection, Mm -hmm. that it can actually, the virus cells can actually be encased. It can use the astragalus just the way your own cells can. And then they can become even more difficult because then now they're armored inside your body. And so, and I learned this from a um, uh, acupuncturist 
an Ayurvedic doctor, and she was talking about how often conditions can be driven deeper into the body because that virus is then encased and then can just kind of make its way down to the bottom of your lungs or or wherever. So, um, so anyways, and but then I've heard, you know, I've read all sorts of various things about astragalus is great for this specific virus or for the flu or for different things. And so I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't really got to the bottom of it yet, you know, mm-hmm. of those kind of varying schools of thought about whether astragalus is indeed something you should only take when you're healthy or whether it is something you can take all the time or whether it's indicated for certain things. Um, so I don't know if you have any insight on that. Yeah. Or, yeah. So um, in my, in my researches about astragalus, the, the main reason mm-hmm. why I went with it is just because of its uh preponderance of use as a more like immune tonic for, as you said, Mm -hmm. for people who are already uh, healthy to like keep their um, immune system in uh, checking out in this book. This is an awesome book, by the way. Oh, I love that book. I have that book. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. awesome, right? It's my favorite. Uh, It says specifically about astragalus um, for the specific indications beneficial to weakened individuals with frequent infections, illnesses, nutritional status, and general lack of vitality, more of a tonic to the immune system and a preventative for colds and influenza. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's more of like, um, from my understanding, it's more of uh, like a tonic. And that's kind of, that's the, the theory of putting it in there. Um, sure. And I think that, like you said, that um, like you were just reading the weak individual, I think there's definitely those herbs that are building and help, you know, help your immune system to build up after it's been knocked down. Like we, I guess you were saying earlier, you know, like feeling better after you've been sick, but then there's those few illnesses. I think sometimes you come out of them and you're still in a haze and you're like, oh man, like, am I ever going to get better? And I think that's sort of a signal as to, you you know, your whole constitution has been weakened on some level and now needs to be strengthened. And I think, yeah, astragalus is wonderful for that. And ashwagandha and some of those more like building nutritive licorice, I think also can be really good for that. They're more of that sweet, um, almost like carbohydrate tasting or those, those really fleshy root kind of things that that are building your system. Yeah, a lot of the really sweet tasting herbs seem mm-hmm. to be very particularly beneficial for um, the immune system. I've noticed, obviously, licorice, mm-hmm. astragalus. Yeah. Elderberry to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the the building aspect of just like mm. fortifying your your constitution, I think. Mm. is what I'm, I kind of understand, I guess, and get the feeling from them. Well, the, yeah. uh, the sweet taste in, um, in Chinese medicine is associated with the spleen. Mm-hmm. And okay. the spleen is obviously like an um, immune organ. So that's another part Definitely. of the reason. When I taste something that's like, um, it has this like herbal sweetness that's not really from sugar. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, immune system. Immune system. Which yeah. is really interesting because if you think back to the days before the mass production of cane sugar and beet sugar, mm. when we were getting our sugars just from the plants that we were eating, that that may have been a very natural response when you're sick is to crave something sweet. Mm. Maybe you're craving that sweet root that's going to help stimulate your immune system. Mm. You're not craving cookies, but you know what I mean? But it's like we were talking about before. You don't necessarily, your your mind isn't differentiating. It's like what you have available and what you're used to. So back in those days, it was like, well, what I have available when I'm feeling something sweet is I'm going to dig up some licorice root. That's the interesting thing is like, we actually, um, we have like taste receptors in our like whole um, 
digestive system that yeah. even if we're not conscious of the taste, they, uh, because it's like connected to our nervous system, there's a certain response. And, you know, going back to the story of the saccharin, like, yeah, it's, it's interesting in that, in that case that that's, you know, that whether or not the person is aware that the sweetness is helping their immune system, it's like, you're, it's almost like the taste of the herb causes a certain response in the body without mm-hmm. maybe even having a material effect in some degrees. Maybe it's right. more of a information signaler um, that you don't even have to be aware of because it's like the internal um, taste mechanisms. Absolutely. And I think that that's part of it. I mean, you know, that's how, you know, there's plenty of herbs you can, that uh, have examples of like, oh, we studied this and it's found to have no effect. You know, we pulled it apart and we did all these things and there's, there's no evidence, but that that's the kind of thing that you can't necessarily capture in a laboratory is that like just the taste, you know, was it, that was a communication with your body. That was an intelligent thing to say, Hey, like you're going to taste this on your tongue. And therefore I mean, it's just like bitters, you know, when you taste bitters and then it causes your whole gastrointestinal mm-hmm. system to turn on and salivate and produce bile and all those things that it does. I mean, that's a, that's a really prime example right there of just how something touching your tongue is a communication in itself and can, you know, cause a cascade of all kinds of effects. And maybe, mm-hmm. Maybe that is, you know, the only thing in in some of those herbs they can't find a specific constituent or just like marshmallow. You know how a marshmallow root has those long polysaccharide chains Mm -hmm. that are too, actually too big to enter the gut wall, but yet are so healing to the gut. And it's something about Mm. that that's been the thing is thinking about just drinking, just having that on your tongue, just even chewing on a little piece of marshmallow root can be can cause your entire mucous membrane from your mouth all the way through to create moisture. And how is that? You know, that's more of a communication response, not an actual physiological Mm. thing. If that polysaccharide chain isn't able to cross, then what's going on, you know, but it's, it's working. There's plenty of evidence that it, it actually does something. Right. And being that we're raised kind of within the Western paradigm, we think of it Mm -hmm. very Newtonian billiards, like, you know, you take in an herb and the chemical does something, but uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of forgets about all the things that we don't understand, like the taste of the herb and the energetics and what, um, what the herb does in our body that might not be just purely from the compounds that are in it. Um, And the thing about polysaccharides is interesting too, that you, you bring up because mm-hmm. um the medicinal mushrooms like reishi oh yeah are polysaccharides, no, that yet. <laughs> right they're yeah. thought to be very immune boosting so that's like a whole another branch of immune immune boosting is like uh mm-hmm. reishi and cordyceps and all those other um absolutely and they have so many properties as well just like the herbs do that you know and um yeah. I mean, you could geek out for years just on, on the mushrooms for sure. And that's one of the reasons I put usnea, which is um, not a, a mushroom, but in the, the fungal family, um, that it has really incredible um, communication with the immune system. And you just thinking about mushrooms and their whole mycelial network, you could go on and on about, you know, the kind of communication they do, which is, I feel like beyond human, like even our ability to understand <laughs> Right, it's yeah. pretty intense and it's ancient and it's, um, yeah, pretty great. So. Yeah. I had on, uh, Jason Scott, you, uh, you know, I'm fearful fun guy. Yeah, I he blew do. my mind yes. about mushrooms. 
So I, oh I yeah, he totally blows mentioned. my mind. Yeah, I was gonna uh-huh. say I have the have his usnea right here. That's definitely a a nice. go to standard for respiratory infections for me for sure. So and um, yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna be actually using his usnea in my. Artemis here coming up in my next batch. So, and mm-hmm. his, uh, the, the reishi as well. So yeah, very excited. That's yeah. um, definitely a company I would super support for your immune health. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's so many things we can do for our um, immune system. Um, of what we kind of covered today about like the foundations, like the sleep, the diet, and just the mind state, you know, that's so yeah. important is just keeping your yourself in harmony because when you're in harmony you know your immune system thrives I think so I think that's really huge and I think it's so so much bigger than than we realize I mean when we start talking about immune herbs or vitamins or minerals or you know whatever is the popular thing to do it's going back to where's your head at where's your heart at where's your spirit at Mm -hmm. Um, and also just that like if you if you're trapped in your body and you're just like oh I'd I I have this body and I've got, you know, this condition going on, or I've got this limitation here. I, you know, whatever it's, I think that part of that holistic health is, is what's not, what's you, that's not your body and looking Mm -hmm. at that and the health of, of that. And everyone has different beliefs, of course, um, in in that spiritual realm. But I mean, for me, that's definitely part of that you know, mental, spiritual, emotional Mm -hmm. health are all tied into one and Mm -hmm. that they go into this physical container of my body through, you know, and then I I need my body to be able to function and, you know, be able to interact with the world. So, um, just kind of having that, uh, starting to find the link actually, um, between, you know, the mind and the immune system, as I was mentioning before. So have you heard of the field of, um, it's has different names, but sometimes it's called, um, neuroendocrine immunology. Oh yeah, definitely. Like yeah. that's fascinating. The, so mm-hmm. they study the link between how the nervous system, uh, hormones and the glands, how they all relate mm-hmm. to the immune system. And one of the things I was reading, uh, which was pretty fascinating was that there's uh, parts of our body where nerves like directly connect to, uh, the thymus, which is obviously uh-huh. the, most supportive of um, immune function, especially in early life. Um, Yeah. In childhood. Yeah. And then some immune cells actually have receptors for neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. and they get stimulated by it. So it's like, we're just finding out things that people basically have always known, which is your body is a singular being and everything plays off everything. But we're now actually starting to find the the physical links between why your mind state plays Mm -hmm. in your why that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I think we spent a lot of years, a couple, few thousand, you know, a lot of years, but uh, pulling the body apart and really picking it in, you know, compartmentalizing and reducing and like, okay, what's inside the eyeball and how does it work and all those things. And I think we're coming to, we've, we've, we've hit a brick wall with that. We're realizing it can only go so far and you can, you know, like we were talking about, you can only, see what a, a, an arm cut off from the body can do, you know, you can go so far with that. And so I think we've, uh, in science just hit that. I mean, there's been an awakening of a lot of information about, you know, 
all the other, all the invisible world that's going on at the, you know, micro level. And so just um, looking at how our body like, okay, so let's put it all back together now and then see how it all functions together. And that's pretty, I think, going to be crucial to our understanding and evolution of, you know, how we think about our bodies and our immune systems and care for ourselves in the future is, yeah. is connecting all those dots. So I think that's the, the progress of uh, healing and science will, mm-hmm. will go in that direction of, we went from fragmentation to understand the parts to coming together to how do the parts relate and what is, you know, their uh, their function together as a holistic. So I think that's that's where we are right now is to to put the pieces together of all the facts that we have. But now it's like understanding that the facts were never separate to begin with of the body. Yeah, that they never you were. Bring and them back I, together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're on like it's like we're on a precipice. We're on the very edge of like looking down into like oh my god, it's all connected. You know. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, and so it's pretty cool to think about like where we can go for the next thousand years, putting it all back together. Who knows what we'll find, you know, now that just, just being open to that instead of being like, no, you know, the heart is the heart is the heart. It's a pump. It does this. It's like, wait, there's neural tissue in the heart. And, you know, the heart is actually your, your primary organ of perception. You actually see with your heart first and your heart processes that information and then sends it to your brain where then it processes and tells you what to do. You know, like there's, tons of research just on that alone and that's just those little like doors that are opening to like oh wait I thought the brain did all this stuff it's actually the heart oh wait I thought the you know the immune system did this oh wait that's connected integrally to the gut like what you know I mean just those little doors being opened I think are all various rabbit holes that are gonna be super cool (laughs) they are super cool already but I mean just yeah each one could be a pretty a lifetime of study for sure absolutely absolutely very cool stuff so i think the the key thing for these times got excited again (laughs) i know i lost you for a minute a little bit i was like wait where where did everyone (laughs) i think the key thing for for us to study to understand health will be humanology (laughs) yes instead of biology and Ology, ology, ology. Ology, ology. Yep. It's just going to be humanology and earthology. And and that's a whole other thing is just that like the microcosm and macrocosm of everything, you know, thinking about like those little teeny tiny cells in you and they go out and out and out and out and it's all the same out into the universe. And the same thing that your bones are made of are the same things that the mountains are made of. And you have passing through your body, the same light that's in the sun. And, you know, it's like you could go on about um, that. We're finding that it is connected and we're all made out of the same thing and the earth is alive and it's, you know, I mean, yeah, now I'm speechless. <laughs> it's too, it's too much. Um, but so good. So good. It's to me, that's what, I mean, a lot of people have asked me like, are you anxious? I mean, right now there's a lot of anxiety and like we were talking a little bit about nervings, um, which could be a whole other subject of how to keep yourself mentally sane in a time of high anxiety and fearful news and all those things. But, um, but I mean, I've been asked a lot, like, do you feel anxious? Are you worried? And, and I feel like there's a lot of just for me personally, just a lot of that faith in, in the earth and faith in the intelligence of the things that we're not thinking about in our brains, you know, just that, that level of communication that it's, it's going to be okay. Right. Right. And the, the understanding that, you know, even 
even life at its best is transient and that we have to kind of make best use of our, you know, our time, our lives, our relationships mm-hmm. with people. Um, and I think this whole crisis is kind of showing us how important those things really are. Because when you take away the busyness and everything, you mm-hmm. start to see like, what is actually important to living a fulfilled and happy life? Right. What is, and what did I take for granted? And what did I think I could just do tomorrow that now I can't because it involved, you know, being within six feet of someone or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, And I think it's a really amazing opportunity. I think finding the opportunity and the positive in everything is like a super huge key to immune health among other things. But, um, but just looking at this opportunity for what, so, okay, so the world stopped. So what do you want it to look like when it starts again? I mean, I think we have a huge opportunity just in our our singular and group consciousness to think about like, what do you want it to look like and how do you want it to be? And what are you noticing that's different now that you've stopped? And what are Mm. you missing now that it's stopped? And what are you sick of now that it's stopped? And what do you never want to do again when you go back to, you know, I mean, I think we have a huge opportunity and there's a big, uh, there's a really also big opportunity for just creativity. You know, I mean, people are doing physically creative things like people are like, oh, yeah, I'm getting out my paints. I haven't painted in years. I'm learning to play the guitar on YouTube or I'm, you know, whatever. All these things we're, you know, playing around with herbs or our gardens and doing new things. Um, and I think just that influx of creativity where we're all at home like, oh, wow, time to be creative now is like mm-hmm. going to be a huge birth in our consciousness because it's something that we're allowing ourselves that then is going to open up a door to something else. And then maybe we'll have new creative solutions to other problems that we're like, oh, can't figure out how to live without plastic or whatever it is that you're, you know, uh, stuck with. And, you know, I, I mean, I think all kinds of solutions can be born out of this um, mm. that we don't we can't see on the other side of it yet, you know, and people are Mm -hmm. like annoyed they have to stay home or we're worried about all these different things. And there's definitely, you know, there's economic realities and all kinds of things that are happening, but just in that, that little base level of being able to be home and be creative, I think Mm. a huge, huge thing that we just don't know what's on the other side yet. So I'm excited for that. And how how much, How much do we love and appreciate our, you know, artists and creatives in these times? Oh my gosh. Right? That's pretty much, yeah. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> Music. With the news. Yeah. Movies, uh-huh. literature, you know, videos, podcasts, et cetera. You know, everyone who's doing that is, they're doing a great service that I think is just not, um, not appreciated unless you're quarantined in right. a lot of cases. Absolutely. They're like, a different kind of first responder for sure. Right. I mean, I think they're really, they're all feeding our souls right now. They really are. I think mm-hmm. that all of that, that the beautiful art, the music, um, all those things are so healing. And I think, you know, we have pictures on our walls and we have books on our shelves and we have music in the background, but I think also taking this time to slow down and really appreciate that element mm-hmm. of life and how important creativity and art are in our existence I mean can you imagine if we didn't what if we didn't have all that right now like take away everything uh, you know and you're just that'd be rough I mean you know that would be super rough and even you know yeah I mean you could go down the list of of things but I think that's been a really uh really cool thing and it's it's been nice to see all the free courses and the like free museum tours and the i i watched an online uh, a virtual festival yesterday that happened in uh out of new zealand and they had speakers and then they had you know all these different artists doing 
uh, their, you know, concert in their living room and you got to see kind of everybody's studio and some people had their kids running through or their dog came up and, you know, did something. But so it was kind of cool to see musicians, personal little windows. And, um, and I think there, I was talking with a friend the other day about this kind of the reverse of the artists and musicians that they're also used to that human interaction of their audiences especially like the musicians that have big crowds of, you know, the, the 30,000 person festival or, or crowd, um, that there's that interplay between, you know, musician and audience and you, there's an energy exchange there that now isn't happening. And so I think there's also new appreciation of artists about the people who appreciate their art, you know, and how much that means um, to them. So, um, right, and we all play our part. You yeah. know, we all play our role. And Absolutely. I think that's becoming very obvious now. Yeah, and I think that's sure. going to be one of the big lessons is uh, community, actually, because in mm-hmm. times that are hard, like you begin to rely on your community. Yeah, we always have, but we just weren't aware of it in a lot of spheres until like it's the physical aspect of it is taken away. And then right. you suddenly realize, you know, everyone has an important role and you don't know until, you know, they're not going to work how important that role was. Exactly. Yeah, it does. It, it, it awakens a lot. And the things that, yeah, your community was always doing for you that you maybe didn't realize. And then also the things that we haven't been doing for each other that suddenly we're doing for each other now. So um, yeah, which is, is really also another doorway into how things could be, you know, if we can, if we decide like, wow, we did this for two months in quarantine and, and we really liked it. <laughs> you know? mm. We really liked all these things we did for each other in this time. Maybe we should keep that up. Maybe we'll be a nicer people after this, you know? So that's, that's all interesting to think about. And we talked a little bit about our animals too, like how important and comforting they are. Oh, they're my getting God. a huge level of appreciation and they're appreciating us being home. Like, wow, like my cat has been so happy to have us out in the garden and home all day. It's like, yeah, this is the life. I'm sure, you know, you can relate to that as well. And I'm, I'm hearing that from so many people that both they're so thankful for their animals and their animals are like, yeah, it's about time you stayed home with me. Cool. So yeah. And they're such a grounding force as well, I think in this. They don't right. have the monkey mind. <laughs> right. Unless they're a monkey. Unless they're a monkey. <laughs> then they have the monkey mind. Did you hear what the monkeys are doing right now? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> I was just, you know, there's just oh, okay. stories in like India and, you know, like all oh, the tourists are gone, the monkeys are running the streets and, oh. you know, just all these funny things. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's uh, interesting. But yeah. Um, and also thinking about getting out of our, like, what can we do without our bodies? Like our bodies are stuck in our boxes. Like where mm. can you go without your body? Like in your dream world, in your meditation world, in your thinking about your grandma world, and you're thinking about your neighbor world, like all those, like that's all, all that psychic energy and that emotional thought is real. You know, Mm. it's not, it's not, you know, you can't keep it in the box, but it's, you're putting it out there. It's energy that you're putting out. And so uh, to me, thinking about just the influx of that emotional and psychic energy going out into the world as we're thinking about each other is something that's mm. measurable, you know, in a way that maybe we don't know yet also. Yeah. A time to pause is a time to reflect um, yeah. and, and grow in a lot of ways. Cause if, if you're always go, 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 you never have any time to think about, you know, why you do what you do or what else you mm-hmm. can do and to kind of think creatively about your life. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because 
of course there, you know, it's terrible that people have lost their jobs and, you know, lost their lives, but many people are finding this, you know, we thought everything would just be over if we just were, you know, quarantined at home, but like everything kind of goes on in its own way. And we kind of have this, um, we have this like resilience, uh, Mm -hmm. and things that we couldn't do from home. Apparently we can, and apparently it's actually kind of nice. (laughs) Like, I think we're going to learn some stuff that when we come back into quote unquote normal life are not, we're not going to forget about, we're going to remember kind of like that, the good things at least. Yeah, no, it could be. I definitely think that there's going to be a little bit of sweetness in the memory in, you know, I mean, there's, of course, like you said, there's a lot of, of, uh, not, not fun stuff happening as well, but there is going to be a little bit of that, that hopefully we, you know, that we do carry forward. And I think there is a lot of, like you said, that everybody's like, well, we have to do it this way and it has to keep going and we can't stop and we can't, you know, and, and then it's like, it stops and it's like, well, look, we're here. We're still here. And, you know, now what, you know, so we get a chance to look at like the machine stops, then we pick up and we do what we need to do to keep ourselves going and to keep ourselves, you know, functional and, and healthy in all those ways without the structures around us. So maybe it's possible to, you know, take some structures down and rebuild them in a way that we want to rebuild them and it's going to be okay, but it's scary. Change is scary. I mean, that's a, definitely a human thing that it's, that it's scary to change things and mm-hmm. scary to not follow the routine, scary to not, you know, all, all those things. So, um, but I also think it's kind of the beginning, you know, I think there's kind of a big road ahead of that. So it's good to get resilient now, get your, uh, you know, I heard uh, at the, the wild rose uh, college webinar I was listening to the other night about um, just things people are doing. And, and uh, one of the, he's, I think he's the director, Yarrow Willard. Um, he was saying, be, be the adaptogen. And I thought, you know, apt- adaptogens are that class of verb, like somewhat we talked about, like astragalus and ashwagandha are in there. And, and uh, there's some more energetic ones, like, uh, I mean, like, fiery energetic ones um like uh, maca and those things that and uh, ginseng and eleuthero and mm-hmm. and uh, that are supposed to help rhodiola is another one that help your body um adapt to stress yeah yeah adapt to stress right build resilience to stress and so he was talking about this concept of being the adaptogen and that look at look at how that herb functions look at what it does now now learn from that. And then you be the adaptogen, be the adaptogen for your family, for your friends, for your community and uh, build that resilience for yourself. And so that's, uh, some people were joking about it. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to start this new mantra every day. I'm going to wake up and be like, I am the adaptogen, yes. you know? <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a good thing to, to think about, I think, and just building that, right. that inner strength, you know, cause we, I think we are going to need a lot of strength to change and to just, what we were talking about compartmentalizing everything and then putting it back together. I think it's going to take a different mental arrangement in order to think in those ways. We're going to have to be thinking out outside the box is going to have to be the normal, you know? So. Yeah. And I think it's all about uh, conscious perception, like choosing Mm -hmm. how you want to perceive a situation because Mm -hmm. like the default way of perceiving might not be helpful. Like it might be like, ah, I don't want to do that. Or, oh, I'm afraid. Uh, But if you find kind of the deeper reasons why you do it or or why uh, you need to do it for yourself, Mm -hmm. um, it gives you um, empowerment rather than, you know, weakness. So it's, it's so much about uh, viewing things in a certain way. So um, 
making the the best of a situation and thinking like, what can I do with what I have, you know, in front of me and kind of coming back to center um, mm-hmm. around all of this that's happening, all this change and uncertainty. Well, the certainty is, you know, we're here now. So. Right. That's about all you got. Let, so, let's party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and take some herbs. <laughs> take some herbs. Definitely. Yes. Take, take your herbs is good. Yeah. Um, and that, that made me think back when you were talking about healing crisis too, though, um, you were talking about like needing to get sick before you get better. And it was, I was thinking of how sometimes there, I think part of that healing crisis is that resistance. I think mm-hmm. that's sometimes like you're, you're sick, you have this low level thing going on and it's, there's sometimes you're sick because there's something else blocking it that isn't physical. It's the root of that, you know, like I always got headache, you know, I've always had headaches, not me, but just somebody in general. Well, when did your headaches start? Well, they started when, you know, this traumatic thing happened. And so then when you go back to peeling the layers of the onion, you're not just taking a headache medicine when you're working with herbs and you're working with someone holistically, you know, it's about peeling back the layers to find out the root cause and not, just using an herb as a band-aid, right? But I, so I think sometimes it's when you, I think finding that herb that works in that person that can communicate with them, sometimes it does, it hits that nerve. It hits that, like, that's the root. And then there's sort of this freak mm-hmm. out, like, then I have to face it. Now I got to look at that car accident or that death or that breakup or that trauma and I got to process it on a conscious level because it came to the surface and then on an unconscious level there's that like no 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 and so sometimes I think then it's like pushes you into a deeper state of illness and then somehow you work it out you know and to being able to figure it out and it's not Mm -hmm. always I mean sometimes you just get a flu because you get a flu it's not you know always because of some emotional crisis but thinking I guess of more like deeper chronic things um Right. Well, those, those chronic things and illnesses, um, are kind of like a, like a tapestry, you know, there's so many different causes and they're all, they all make sense as, uh, you know, why it's happening, but it's like, you have to find like that string and you have to start pulling it. And if you pull any of the strings, eventually the other strings will pull and, you know, you get your mind in order and then every, your diet starts getting in order. You get your diet in order. Suddenly your sleep gets in. It's all so interrelated that literally the best advice for health, I think, is just start doing something. Yeah, Drinking absolutely. more water, getting Anything. more sleep because it's all about momentum. You know, it's not, you don't have to fix everything today, but just the little bit that you can do and it'll guide you along the path to health eventually. And whether that's absolutely. an herb that you take, that's you know, it's the beginning of something more, uh, cause you yeah. just keep, keep pulling on the thread. Um, and then eventually we come back yeah. to this moment and just appreciating it in, you know, not just an absence of disease, but full of life, you know, full of, uh, happiness and energy, like right. not just the yeah, absence of pain. Right. You're feeding your vitality. You're becoming, uh, uh, you're, you know, increasing your vital force. You're increasing your, um, it's like the the next evolution of yourself. So yeah, I think that's a really super important thing that you said is that just doing anything. And I think that you're naturally attracted to the things that you need to do. And even if you don't want to, sometimes you're made to do them out of way, you know, like whatever physiological needs, but yeah, it's just that like drinking more water then leads to whatever, which leads to whatever. And that, um, can yeah take you down a path you didn't even know you were going down eventually 
And then there's the scary side of it too, I know, right? I was going to say, and then you're like, right? wait, did I want to go down that path? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't start drinking that water. No, <laughs> right, because then you'd have to deal with your a lot of other things. your shadow, down. yeah, right. for sure. Like, and it works in the other way too, where it's like every little negative choice also has you know, its own consequences where we think of Mm -hmm. like, oh, you eat that donut, it's fine. But like, everything is so interlinked that, you know, you can choose to either grow or degrade, but you can't, you can't really be, you know, in the same place ever. So it's a constant choice, you know, and hopefully we're like, right. Exactly. At least you're on the up. (laughs) I think this is definitely more, more accurate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. spiral upwards Uh as long as you're yeah but I definitely think it's and I think that I I mean I've seen that and just in in what I've learned that a lot of you know issues that people have even just with your immune system like man I get a cold every November why November I get a you know a UTI every February or just whatever you know there's that cyclical thing and sometimes like you can break through one layer but it's like you're peeling the onion that was that you know started when you were tiny and so it's like you're peeling back and you're like okay I figured out that this facet and now it's like it comes around again okay now I figured out this facet now it's not happening as often I've gotten that and then maybe it goes away for a while and then comes back with a bang and you're like oh that's still there okay you know so I think that's something to keep in mind too that we've become so accustomed to the band-aid oh, you have high blood pressure, you just need to do this or, you know, mm-hmm. just that fix, fix the thing, fix the problem. And it's, um, I read a really cool quote that I can't remember, but it was about sort of like, you know, making your body behave like pharmaceuticals or, you know, th- those kinds of things. And, and, you know, just the disclaimer, of course, that there's many life-saving things that are great about that for emergencies and for um, certain conditions. But um, on the whole, the concept is more of like, like you're, you're causing that symptom to go away. You're making your body behave in this certain way. Like you need to get back in line. You know, you're not allowed to have headaches. You're not allowed to have high blood pressure. You're not allowed to whatever you need to get back in line. Um, and that when you're working with herbs and lifestyle and all that, that it's not just like the quick and dirty kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. more of a, you can alleviate some symptoms, you know, you can have some elderflower tea and you can have a really great fever and then it's gone and you can see the results of that. But and for more chronic things, I think it is more of a, like you said, it's a spiral and you hit it again and you hit it again and you peel it off and you kind of, it's something that you have to unravel, like following the thread, you got to then like, you know, also put the thread you back know. together. You know? And we yeah. talk about herbs as being, you know, like antibacterial or immune boosting and all that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the herbs do what they do. And that's just our attempt to understand them. But what we do know is that yeah. throughout history, people have taken them and it's helped them somehow and how, whether the herbs are, you know, treating causes that we don't understand um, Mm -hmm. or if they're, some of them are being used on a more surface level, but still they act how they act, you know? So, you know, the philosophy helps us apply it, but life is what life is, you know? And that's why we got to experiment. (laughs) Yep, definitely. It's about the, yeah, there's the mystery that's in there. That's pretty essential and uh, be kind of boring without it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Bryn Anderson. Um, Yeah, I know you weren't, you weren't kidding about that. We could go for five hours. Yeah, we really could. could. (laughs) And next let's go on this tangent. We're going to have a part three (laughs) for sure. 
Um, Definitely. So yeah, yeah. follow, uh, follow Bryn Anderson on Instagram, um, Vital Force Herbs. Yep, Vital Force Herbs. Cool. Yep. And follow that, me at me. holistic yes, underscore definitely. psyche. Follow both that of us uh, because we post a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, we do. Touch, and you have uh, a lot of cool podcasts. You've got all kinds of episodes yeah, to listen to. So yes. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I like um, your uh, the mythic ones. Those are great too. So thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for having me. That was super fun. It was and, a pleasure. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we'll do it again. And uh stay healthy and enjoy your cat and your uh books and all the fun things <laughs> there are to do. <laughs> Get to. Get to. In this time.